Well, what is up, everybody? Pantano family, people around the globe. I don't know if you're around the globe. I don't know where you're listening from today, but we're glad you're with us. Uh, I'm sitting at the table today. Again, I got my man Dylan Mitchell to my left. Um, you're always to my left. It's interesting. I'm not your right hand man. I'm your, no, you're I'm my left hand man. man. I need a left hand man because my, my left hand doesn't work great. Um, and then on my right side, uh, we've got a special guest with us today. We've got Hillary, who's here at Pantano with us. Um, and you do a lot of things. <laughs> Like a lot of things um, here at Pantano. You work with our kids. I do. Um, as a volunteer, uh, you teach. Like I've seen you on the stage in our children's area. Um, but Hillary, give me give me your background. One, how did you get to Pantano? And then um, we're going to dive into your story today because there's a lot of story. This, is, this podcast is called The Make. And we talk about going from Sunday taking to everyday making. Um, and you, like even before I got here in person, um, we kind of connected on social media and I, you just are the epitome of what this podcast is about is taking Sunday, what you take on Sunday and making something with it every other day of the week. And, and so just give us, how did you get to Pantano? How long have you been here? What are the kinds of things you do here? And then we'll dive into your story a little bit. Oh man. Um, we actually got to Pantano through the kids ministry. Really? I was in mops in Vail. So not even Pantano mops. Yeah. And I found out you have to bring your kids to Pantano for all the summer activities. <laughs> and so we started bringing our kids. And then my husband and I were both like, you know what? We're, we're good. Like maybe we need to start looking for a church home based on what our kids needs yeah, and not what we need. Yeah. And so we just switched over. <laughs> so how long have you been at Pantano then? <sighs> I think it's been 10 years. Wow. Yeah. 10 years. What were you guys like five when you got here? Like, uh, uh, like uh, that's a long time. That is a long time. Uh, you know what I've learned about Pantano though, is most of our people, um, that would call Pantano home. They, most people have been here a long time. Like they, when they get here, they just, they, they stay and they, they bring other people along with them. This is just such a great place. Like, and it I, is. I'm still new enough. I can say that like hey, Dylan, you and I came in roughly the same time, yeah. but um, I can legitimately say, like, the culture that has been built here over the last 60 years is just a fantastic place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got people that have, like, moved to Marana or moved up on the north end of, of Tucson, and they're like, we just got to drive because we, we just love our church. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Like, I, I love that. Um, so I'm, I'm on your website right now. And you have, you have a website Um, and I'm reading your short bio and then your longer bio. (laughs) Um, And I I just like, when I read your bio, I'm like, wow. In that short bio, there's a lot in the short bio about life for you. I mean, you're a licensed architect. I am. uh, You're a freelance writer. You're a speaker. You're a blogger. Uh, I love this one that proclaims hope and encourages women to live confidently and embrace freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's these two pieces in here that like they get one sentence and there's a lot of power in this sentence a survivor of sexual assault and breast cancer. Yeah. <laughs> and then here we are, uh, breast cancer awareness, right? And yes. I'm, I'm watching on social media as you're given like, here's 10 things you need when you have a mastectomy in here. And I'm like, holy smokes, like I'm diving in, like I'm deep diving into your life, right? I'm like, <laughs> I just became the creepy like Facebook stalker for this interview today on, on the podcast. And I'm like, man, there is so much. And then you have writing that's been published on iBelieve.com and in Mops Magazine, which, mm-hmm. by the way, for people that don't know what Mops is, please tell them what Mops is. Oh, Mops is amazing. It's mothers of preschoolers. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. It, for those that think that that's like, we're actually like mopping things up. Like that's not <laughs> what Mops is. No. Um, and, and then you contribute on your website and you live in Vail, um, which we live in Vail. I, I think we live probably around the corner from each other and don't I really realize it. across the wash. Yeah. Are you over other. Del Lago? Yes. Yeah. See, literally I can probably scream across the wash and you can hear us at night because <laughs> I can hear the coyotes at night out there. So surely you could hear me scream. Um, you have three kids. I do. Um, how old are your kids? 11, 10, and 7. Wow. That's a, that's a lot. That's yeah. uh, That gap, that first gap is especially 11 and 10. It's like, oh. It's 18 uh, months. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. Wow. after their birthday, it sounds better because it's 18 months and two and a half years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every now and then, it sounds like they're each two years apart. But right now, they sound really close together. <laughs> well, so, I mean, there's just so much in just that part of your bio. You grew up in, in a military family. I did. Um, so you've been all over the world and all over creation. And uh, not the world. Yeah. <laughs> we lived uh, stateside. Well, but I have traveled abroad. <laughs> I will say, still, even stateside feels like you're going across the world sometimes. I mean, we moved from Ohio to Arizona, and I, I mean... I feel like we live in a foreign land right now. Like we're on the edge of the earth down here and I, I love it. It's great. So unpack though. The, so here's the deal. Like I want to go back to that one sentence, a survivor of sexual assault and a survivor of breast cancer. Yeah. How do you go through those two things and be the person of faith that is making disciples on a daily basis and you're an architect? Yeah. Like, I mean, we'll just throw that little tidbit in. That's like really cool. Part time. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. That's it, cool. It doesn't even matter if you just got a degree and don't use it. I'm just going to be like, you're an architect. Like there, that's cool. That, that's really cool. As a design guy, as a creator, yeah. like, like that's intriguing to me. But how do you, how do you go from those two pretty massive things? Mm-hmm. It kind of goes about what we talked about last week where we, where we talked about worshiping through pain, yeah. like pain and the promise and worship through the wound. Um, like that, that's the epitome of your story. And then this last weekend, we talked about um, opposition is our opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some opposition in your world. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you take the opposition that you've gone through and turn it into all these amazing opportunities that God is doing through you? I think God does that, first yeah. of all. <laughs> sure. Um, but I think anytime we go through a really difficult season, we're at a crossroads in our faith. And we can either turn to God or we can turn away from God. Yeah. And definitely when I went through sexual assault, I would say my initial response was to turn away from God. I didn't walk away from my faith. I just tried to fix things on my own, Yeah, which wasn't what I should have done. So can, can I, and you don't have to go anywhere. You don't want to go in this story, but how old were you when that happened? 18. Okay. So uh, that's my daughter's age right now. Yeah. Um, it, it, how long did it take you to get to a place that happens at 18? What was the season like to get you to a place where you, you leaned into God again? Well, I wouldn't say it's interesting because, like I said, I feel like I turned away from God. But if you looked at me from the outside, you wouldn't think I did. I still went to church. (laughs) I didn't abandon the faith. I was just trying to fix what I felt like went wrong in my life. Um, Make it better, clean things up so I could come back to God. Yeah. And I didn't tell anybody because I felt like this was not something you'd bring to church. Um, But it took about two years. Wow. Until I hit rock bottom. So that's a lot. That's a lot of pain for two years, though. It is a lot of pain. Yeah, uh, and a lot of facade. Yeah, because and and we've talked about this a lot on here. We actually talked about it on last episode of, you know, we we have this picture of what we're supposed to be, and God's like, yeah, but I make things out of messes. I I make mosaics yeah. out of like I make mm. beautiful things. It's like that that song, beautiful things. I make mm. beautiful things out of dust and out of us and all yeah. these broken pieces is where God does His best work. And yet somehow in the, you said it like, well, that's not something you bring to church. That's such a sad state of the church in our our country, especially is that people, 
all across our country feel that same way. Like, why did you feel like you couldn't bring that to the church? Because it was messy. Yeah. 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 So that would lead me to believe your, your church background, much like mine, probably much like yours, Dylan, was that as long as you had it all together, you were good. And or if, if you didn't have it all together, pretend you did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. We've become the greatest pretenders, you know, the facade of the church, which I think is COVID exposed that like nobody's business. Yeah. Because Absolutely. Because in the midst of COVID, now you got people going, well, um, how is my faith really? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've always, my wife and I, we always joke that we attract the stray dogs of life all through our ministry. Like people that are just like off the rails, people that are life's a mess. Like they just, they gravitate to us. They show up on our front doorstep. They call us, they, um, but we've built an entire ministry around like, we're just who we are. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anyone to walk into Pantano or any church and feel what you felt. Yeah. You know, Uh, and that's, so you, you go through this two year process. Mm -hmm. So what was the moment then that God's like, I'm going to take this opposition and turn it into an opportunity. Oh, I think it was just when I hit rock bottom. And I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. And I actually got suicidal because I just felt like there's just too much darkness in the world and yeah. I can't handle this. And I'd rather not live than have to face this. Mm. And so, yeah, so I, I went through that and then I actually got to the point where I took a bottle of pills mm. and went to class to take my finals. <laughs> Because I thought it through really well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had a long-term plan there. Yeah, our good old 20-year-old 20, 20 thought process. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. got super sick yeah. in class. And and just realized in that moment, like, I broke out in a sweat. My heart was racing, and I just thought, I can't do it. Like, God, I don't want to die, but I cannot do this. Like, you have to save me here. Yeah. Which I think in those moments, when we are completely broken or when we face something dark and overwhelming— that's when we pray our boldest prayers yeah. because we have, we have everything to gain and nothing to lose yeah. and we're just desperate. Well, we just talked about that last episode of it, it's in the pain where we see the most progress towards God. It's not when things are great. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I think we can see God in those moments. I do, but I think it's when we were talking about working out, right? Like when you, when you go to the gym and work out there, you're actually putting tension and pain in your muscle fibers for growth, not for injury, but for growth. Um, and you leaned into a tension at some point and were like, all right, I either got to lean into this tension mm-hmm. or I, I'm out. And, yeah. um, and you let God take that tension, which is really, really, really cool. Um, yeah. and so you're 20 years old, you and God have this kind of <laughs> moment. Yeah. That, and then, uh, I know you met your husband in college. I did. Um, now I, was this in the midst of all that or was this after that? It was right after that. Okay, so... so I was a mess. Yeah, so what, <laughs> he saw me at my worst. Yeah, well, and somehow he's still stuck around. And I don't know if you feel like this. I'm still a mess. Um, <laughs> um, but but you're, you meet your husband, Eric, and yeah. um, coming out of this. And so you life's starting to trend in an, an up and to the right mm-hmm. kind of way. You've got, you got this guy in your life. You've got... Um, God is helping you overcome and move through and using this opposition as an opportunity. Yeah. Um, so let's get post-college. You guys get married. Well, do you get married actually, in college? I back yeah, up, please I do. I want to say like at that moment when I hit rock bottom, mm. bottom I finally invited the church in. Oh, that's and big. And they showed up. That's awesome. <laughs> so I went and moved in with my college pastor for like a week or two yeah. weeks or something <laughs> with his family and I talked to the pastors. The pastors connected me with a counselor, like yeah. a Christian counselor at the church. So I realized, like, 
I could bring it to the church and they were there for me. Yeah. Look at the church be the church though. Yeah. And unfortunately that's not, that's not everybody's experience with the church. Yeah. At Big C church. Thankfully that was your experience because that could have, that could have been detrimental the other way of the church not showed up for you. Sure. Um, because well, we've talked about it before, kind of my upbringing in the yeah. South, like, <clears throat> and I don't know where, where were you then? I like regionally. Okay. I was at the U of A. Okay. So <laughs> like that kind of a conversation 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, could have gone very differently in the South, I think. I think that's kind of starting to turn a little bit now as we start to open up a little bit more as a culture. But even, I mean, 10 years ago wasn't that long ago. Like, for for that kind of stigma to be something like, oh, no, we don't don't touch this in the church. We are in the South. We're just in the Southwest over here. (laughs) Southeast is a different world. It is a different world. Um, Alabama is just a world all by itself. Um, That's that's a whole nother world. Um, but I, I think there's something beautiful in that part of your story that the church showed up. They did. And people showed up that didn't know they were showing up. I yeah. actually befriended an older couple that had been married for like 50 years. And before I met my husband, I was kind of in what I would refer to my man-hating phase. <laughs> <laughs> I am never getting married. I'm never dating anyone. Oh, and you kissed I, dating goodbye, didn't you? <laughs> I did. <laughs> and then I met this older couple who were so in love and so yeah. sweet and so tender to each other. And I thought... Okay, if it can be like that, I'm in. <laughs> and then you meet Eric. And then I meet Eric. And it was all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how long was it from when you met Eric? Did you guys get married in college? Did you get married out of college? We got married after we graduated. Okay. A week after we graduated. Yeah, we did three months after we graduated. I, I get, what year did you get married? 2004. Okay. Um, yeah. So you guys have been married a hot minute. Um, 18 years. 18 years. Yeah. Um, and so... It, you guys are living life at this point. You're, are you an architect at that point? Uh, well, so technically, when we graduate from architecture school, you're not an architect. Yeah, see, I'm learning new things today. You actually ah. have to go through, I think it was, oh gosh, five years of working for a licensed architect and nine exams. So Wow. So when they say you're going to college to be an architect, that's not true. You're going to college to go somewhere to figure out how to be an architect for five more years. Yes. My husband, his college roommate, his freshman college roommate, didn't know what he wanted to major in, didn't know what he wanted to be. He was a licensed attorney before we were licensed architects. Oh, wow. (laughs) You could become a doctor and attorney before you could become an architect. Yeah. Which I, can I just be honest with you though? I, I feel like that that's kind of appropriate because I don't want to go in a building that's not built right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I don't I don't want to be like a hundred stories up and the architect's like, ah, we just put something together. Like <laughs> we hope this thing works out. You know what I mean? Like this is actually my final exam. Yeah, so. this is actually I hope this works out for y'all because I, I pass or fail based off this. You know. Um now is your husband an architect as well? He is. Okay. So we, we met in college. We were one of two couples in our class that got married, which is pretty funny because there were only thirty four people in our graduating class. Wow. So uh, you guys defied some odds there in some really cool ways. Um yeah. and the other couple's still married too and they have three kids. That's awesome. So you 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 guys have kind of this storybook, kind of God's redemption and putting things together and putting you guys together and this couple and yeah. all this. And so you're you're rolling through life. Architect things are happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm making up terms now. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I just feel like you guys are drawn and meeting with engineers and making things work. And um, Stop him and tell him that's not actually how it I works. I know that's Is not that how, how it works. That's pretty close. <laughs> See, look at you. See, you try to get me and look at what God just did. He got you. Um, so... Then we get to the second phase of this story over here where it's like, okay, we've overcome this abuse that God's mm-hmm. restoring, redeeming heart, soul, relationships. Yeah. 
And then when does breast cancer show up? <laughs> a year. So I actually, just to back up, I didn't tell anybody. Like I stopped telling people about that. I feel like I told people right afterwards because I was such a mess. I yeah. needed an explanation. But then I just stopped talking about it because I felt like it's not who I am. It doesn't define me. Yeah. God brought me through it and healed me from it. And that was amazing. And I felt like I finally saw a miracle. And I'm yeah. not finally, but I, I always looked at the Bible and thought, where are all these miracles that we read about? And then I experienced one in my life and realized they're still here. Yeah. Um, That's such a good phrase, by the way. Don't don't miss that sound bite. Like, miracles are still here. Yeah. Mm. You know. They yeah. still happen. Every day. And um, so I went through that, but I didn't really talk to people about it. And then I went to a MOPS national convention where they were talking about their theme for the year of finding wonder, hope, and kindness amidst the darkness. And I just felt convicted, like, you need to speak up because this is your story. Yeah. And so I came back and started talking to people. Um, I was like 16 years later. (laughs) 16. Yeah. And I started talking to people. I had a couple people God laid on my heart to share my story with, one of which was Glenn. Yeah. And then I ended up sharing my story as part of a sermon series. I was going to say, because there's a picture on Facebook and social media of you and Glenn on stage together with my husband, with your husband. Yeah. And, um, I've always wanted the story of that picture. Yeah. So now that story is that picture. It is. And I'm sure everybody around here knows that except me, but uh, (laughs) that, that is a beautiful full circle though, because where you didn't feel comfortable with the church, Mm -hmm. knowing the story at the beginning, here you are on stage at your church Mm -hmm. sharing this story. Yeah. Um, and what was the response of freedom from people on that? In oh. your story. Well, it was before me too. So that hadn't been talked about a lot. Yeah. But I think it's just overwhelming freedom when people realize I didn't know this about you and you seem totally normal. Yeah. I shocked a lot of people when I came forward with this. And I think in a good way, like you're, you can move on from this. You can heal. Um, I met a lot of people who had the same story. I had a lot of people in my life who I didn't even know had the same story. They were already in my life. Um, I know you mentioned earlier two years was a long time, but I've met people who took a lot longer and realized like God was really gracious in that two-year period because it was really quick for me, actually, Um, in comparison to a lot of people. I've met people who haven't told anyone ever, Mm. um, except for me, I guess, the first time (laughs) when they talked to me. Um, So it's opened up a lot of doors to just create a safe space for other people to feel like they can say, I'm not alone. Well, and it goes back to what we said last week in the message um, in week five is that your worship was louder than your wound. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was through sharing your wound in your worship that people, other people found freedom. And I think that that it goes back to the same thing we're talking about this last weekend with opposition um, is the opportunity. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of times we see opposition is just that opposition. We stop there and we're like, well, I've got opposition. There's nothing more I can do with it. And God's like, or mm-hmm. all through scripture, all I see is opposition. God gives opportunity. Opposition, God, like Paul shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, stone, yeah. like uh, all these things happen to Paul. And yet he just keeps seeing it as an opportunity. Like where mm-hmm. most people would be like, yeah, I'm out. I'm done with this. Like, he's like, nah, I think I'm just going to, God just keeps being provident. Um, and, and so I love the full circle-ness of your story. And if you're listening to this, and maybe you've been 20 years, 30 years, and you've never shared this, no, you're not alone. Yeah. Like, at all. Like, this is how, th- this, I think, like, the architecture thing, awesome. That's cool. Like, I, I could sit and talk that because I'm intrigued by what you guys do. But that's not the best part of the story. 
Um, I'm intrigued by what, how you got through the sexual assault. Um, that's not even the best part of the story. Um, even the breast cancer we'll talk about in a minute, not even the best part of the story. The best part of the story is how God has taken every pain, every wound and redeemed, restored and recovered to yeah. use it for you to be an everyday maker. Like yeah. every day. I, I can't imagine there's not a day where you're not looking for God's opportunity to give you an opportunity to share this here or look for how I can help this person there or do that. Cause I, I've seen that play out just in watching from the periphery of your lives, um, how God continues to use you guys, yeah. um, which is really cool. It is. I, I was satisfied in God taking me through that experience and healing me and just completely transforming my faith. I really felt like I came out a different person. I was a believer before, but I experienced God in a whole new way and realized in my complete brokenness, like he just overwhelmed me in his love. Yeah. And so for me, I felt like that was amazing. It was transformative. It changed my faith. It changed how I related to other people. I was much more compassionate and understanding. But then to see God use it to encourage other people, I felt like it just redeemed the story even more. Yeah. Well, and that's the beauty of restoration, right? Redemption, oh, yeah. recovering, transformation. Yeah. Um, now, what would you say to the person sitting here? Because I, I had a lady a couple of weeks ago come up to me, and she was like, I was talking about that praise and the pain and worship mm-hmm. through the wound. And she goes, I'm good with that through all these things except this one area of my life. She goes, I just can't get past it. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that person that comes to you and goes, I'm glad God's given you this experience through that, but I can't get past it. How, what do you say to that person? How, how do you like? How do you navigate? You meet a woman, she comes up to you in an event or a mops event, and she goes, your story is my story, but I can't, I can't get myself to the. And it's been 20 years, and I can't yeah. get myself to this place where I even feel comfortable letting God deal with this part of my story. How, how do you address that? Well, I would say first, pray about it. Mm. And second, I think what hurts us hurts God. Mm. You know, I love that verse where Jesus talks about how if anybody hurts one of these little ones, it would be better for them to be tied to a millstone and thrown over a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, God takes our pain seriously and... Because a dad with daughters, I resemble God in that moment. Yeah. That's one of the few moments I'm just like Jesus. Yeah. Like, I'm like, hurt one of mine, and I, I'm probably going to throw you over the Pantano washout here with a millstone around your neck. I, I mean, that's yeah. just, it's, I get it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think, I don't know that we always get that as, yeah. as those that have experienced pain. Like, because then the question is, right, well, why would God allow me to experience this pain? It's hard. Yeah. And it might not be from God. Correct. God's not the one. Yeah. Like we're in a sinful, broken, fallen world. This wasn't his plan. Yeah. But we're having to navigate it. And he tells us in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So it shouldn't surprise us when we walk through hard seasons. Yeah. So, so in that, like, how do we, as the big C church, how do we navigate that better? Like, what do you think that looks like? Like, you know, having these conversations on a podcast or like having these conversations from the platform on a Sunday is a start, but like, just as an overall method, like how do we navigate this with, with people better who are struggling in this? Like how do, how do we make people feel more comfortable to come to the church with that? Sure. Well, I think just being open and accepting and not judgmental. Just, I, I feel like God can handle our pain. I, I want you, I want people to be honest with God. You can say whatever you want to him. You can tell him you're angry. You, you're blaming him for your pain or whatever you're going through. He can handle that. Yeah. He's not going to turn away from us. Like he's pursuing us in our pain. He's near to the brokenhearted. And I think people who have been through difficult circumstances have a certain level of favor almost with God where he is pursuing them because he wants to heal. 
the broken. Yeah. He wants mm-hmm. to restore what's been taken. Yeah, it's what I told that lady a couple of weeks ago when she was telling me, I don't know how to get past this one pain in my life. Yeah. And um, she was like, what do I even do with God? I was like, have you told him that you're mad about it? Yeah. And she was like, well, no, why would I do that? And I'm like, why not? Mm-hmm. Like God can handle it. I'm like, yeah. if, it's, if it sucks, tell God it sucks. Like, and people are like, you can't say that. I'm like, absolutely you can. Like yeah. I, God and I've had some really heart to heart moments where I'm like, God, I'm a little ticked with you right now. Yeah. And people are like, <laughs> you can't say that to God. I'm like, sure I can. He can handle it. Yeah. Um, Cause God's always been restorative through my heart in that. Um, but if my daughters, I, again, as a dad, I think I understand God, the father a little more once you have kids, you know, and I, I'm sure you get that. Um, but I, if my girl, I just, be, when we were raising lionesses in our house so that we don't, we're not raising pansies in our house. We, mm-hmm. My girls are straight fire. And it, I can just tell you, if they're not happy with dad, you know what? They'll tell me, they'll be like, dad, you're kind of making me mad right now. Okay. I can handle that. Like, I, maybe I'm trying to make you mad right now. But the reality is they feel comfortable to tell dad, dad, I'm not, I don't like this. Okay. Yeah. This hurts. Okay. I don't like what we're going through. Okay. Great. Yeah. I'm with you. Let's go through it together. Uh, we, I'm not trying to cause this pain in your life or sometimes this pain, you know, God never wastes a pain. I, I love that statement. Yeah. Um, God may not cause it, but he will use it. Exactly. Um, and he's, he's using yours in a huge way. And that's just the first facet of the story. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it, you know, you go 16 years, you get, you know, you finally talk about this. Um, and then, then does this diagnosis come? Yeah. So God's freeing you. He's using you. Yes. <laughs> and how long after you start to speak out and start doing, does this diagnosis of cancer show up? It's a year. Okay. So yeah, that's one of those where most people go, really God? <laughs> like, okay, we're here and not really this, is what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, did you have that moment? No. <laughs> because I had been spending the last year speaking to people and telling them God loves you more than you can imagine. He can redeem every situation. He's with you. And so I just felt like I, I was approaching it as I was going out and encouraging other people. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I was filling my faith bucket, that <laughs> God's got me in this too. So I, I kind of approach it with, all right, where are we going from here? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't, I don't want to miss what you just said is that, you know, God was actually using that whole season of you thinking you were filling others to actually fill you. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes we think, man, I'm filling other people. I'm just pouring myself out. God actually in that moment, actually, I think God fills us up more when we're trying to spill out into the lives of others than what we ever realize. Yeah. Um, and you know, you were spilling and he kept filling in mm-hmm. your soul. Um, and then you do have that moment where it's like, now, did you fight this battle of, because I've been saying all this stuff for the last year, now I got to figure out how to make sure I'm saying this in my own life and it's genuine? Or was it like, nope, no. I, I totally know. Yeah. I just knew. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I also felt like God was protecting me because um, I think you have like a 2% chance of being diagnosed with breast cancer in your 30s. And everyone, like, how did you find this? How did you find it so quickly? I really felt like God was just watching over me. Yeah. Really providential. Yes. Um, so you go through, it looks like you went through quite a journey with just breast cancer. Yeah. Like I legitimately, like if, if you are a lady dealing with breast cancer, I would tell you right now, go, we'll put a link in the show notes Mm -hmm. to your website. Like there's blog posts, there's your Facebook page has got videos. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm just like, she's out here slaying it on social media. Um, helping, helping people, go through what you've been through. Sure. Um, and it, it seemed like you, like you just kept this attitude through the whole thing of like, I'm going to use this pain to help people see Jesus. I'm going to use this pain to help people get to where they need to be. I, 
and I know there was pain. Yeah. Like mass amounts of pain. I got, I got, we have friends that have gone through this on a large scale uh, a lot. And I know what you went through is no small task. It, yeah. It, how long was the whole process for you of going through cancer? I think, well, I got a cancer free diagnosis, I think within like five months. Really? Because I opted for the double mastectomy. Yeah. But I did eight surgeries in about a year, and I delayed some of them because I wanted to take the summer off. Yeah. And we wanted to go to Disney World <laughs> with the kids. <laughs> After your own heart. He's yeah, a, absolutely. He's, he's a Disney freak. Um, so, yeah. We, I, did, I wanted to have a normal summer. Yeah. Because it, it, it was a rough year. I mean, kids, at that time, my youngest was two. Sure. I couldn't hold him. I couldn't carry him, which was hard. They spent a lot of time with other people yeah, because I couldn't care for them. <laughs> um, how did, how did that play out for, for Eric though? Because I feel like as a dad, like there may be some really tender moments for him and that with your kids that may not have happened otherwise if you weren't in that situation. He actually focused on me. Really? So the kids went to relatives and yeah. he took care of me. And then we also had rotating revolving door of friends that were coming in because I couldn't be alone after my mastectomy, I had to have help. I couldn't even get up yeah. without someone helping me out. Because I saw one of your uh, top 10 things happens was a recliner. <laughs> um, and I'm guessing you really enjoyed that recliner for the time you needed it. I did. Um, it wasn't mine. I borrowed it. But yeah, that's, even, <laughs> that's even better. Like shared recliners. That, that should yes. be a thing. Like yeah. a shared recliner. Um, I get why people have them now too. They're yeah. pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We still don't have one. Uh, but. So, I mean, so you, uh, there's a, that's a pretty big year. Yeah. In there where, man, God's moving you here and then pause button on. Did you pause all this other stuff you were doing? I did. Well, I did when I had to. I still went and spoke and did events. Um, and I really saw, I didn't expect it, to, but I saw a connection between both experiences. Mm. Because I had friends who said, you've got to go meet with my friend who went through this. Like, and, and so I went and met with some other people and I realized I saw the same reactions in breast cancer survivors that I had seen in sexual assault survivors, like this is what happened to me. It was traumatic and I will never be the same again. Yeah. Um, and that was really hard to see. And I realized, okay, <laughs> I think God has a bigger ministry for me than I realized. And it's not just to encourage sexual assault survivors. Yeah. Well, now you're just encouraging survivors. Yeah. Which, which I mean, everybody's a survivor of something, whether they realize it or not. And so you're, you're literally a, you're a survivor ministry. Like you're, you're helping people understand that you're, if you're breathing still, you're surviving, like you're yeah. living, you're moving. Um, I say it all the time from our platform here, you know, those of you been here, I'm like, if you still have breath, there's an opportunity for God to redeem, restore and recover. Um, but you can't live in the darkness yeah. like uh, that. I, I've for years, I've had a friend that you say this and I've kind of stole it and adopted it. That revealing is healing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you drag things into the light, Satan can't play in the darkness. Yeah. You know, and yeah, that, that, that's that moment where you move from surviving to thriving. A- absolutely. Like that's where things kind of click into gear. Yeah. I had a friend that used to go, I'm going from survival to thrival. And I'm like, I think you just made up a word. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like five like five goes West. Like uh, it's kind of, uh, it, but there it's true. You go from surviving to thriving. And yeah. that's, that's such a good phrase. Um, so y- your kind of life mission right now is you're an everyday maker. I hope so. Yeah, I, <laughs> That's I mean, my goal. Well, here's, here's what I love too. And I, I hope our listeners hear this in, in all the right ways. Like we, we've been looking for people in our community and our church and in the area to get on the podcast. 
Um, and you were actually, we talked early on about you. And then I love that you came up on a Sunday and were like, Hey, what's the chances I can get on the podcast? I was like a lot. <laughs> um, and, and I love that because you're, you're looking for any avenue to share hope and, and story with people. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, I think for our listeners, and I know we have a lot of people, not just in the Tucson area, we've got people all over the country listen to this and, and maybe even around the globe, but we've got some folks overseas that listen to this. Um, and I just think about the people I know that listen to this, that need to hear your story today that when they hear this, this is going to be a moment where some of them are going to pull their cars off the side of the road and be in tears. And like, I need to figure out how to thrive, not survive. Um, and, and your story is a story of, it's no longer a story of survival. It's thriving. And, um, you've thrived through what most people would have been absolutely annihilated by with sexual assault. Um, and now you're, you come out of that and here you are like trajectory. God's like, boom. And then it's like, Hey, breast cancer. And you're like, we're good. God, let's roll. And, I love that no matter what kind of comes down the pipe for you and your family, you just go, we're, we're going to take this hill by storm and help other people do the same. Um, so talk to me about you and your husband. Um, because I I feel like you don't do any of this alone. I feel like he's like right in the boat with you. Um, but he's also like, he's kind of a behind the scenes guy. Yeah, he is. (laughs) I I mean, when I, I, like I started digging, I'm like, have I met Eric yet? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure we met in passing early on here. And I'm like, but I don't know Eric. Like I, I know I, again, and it, my house is kind of the same way. My wife is a little more introverted than me. Um, behind the scenes, rock star, which is funny. She gets on a stage and she turns into like the <laughs> best thing ever. Like she can speak better than I ever speak in my life. Um, but tell me about kind of your partnership and ministry, you and Eric and how you guys are helping together people go from surviving to thriving. Sure. Well, I think he played a key role just early on in my recovery, just being there for me and supporting me and choosing to see where I could go and not where I was at um, and supporting me on that journey. And then I think just his faith, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I met him in college because I overheard a conversation between some guys in my college and they were saying, he seems like this totally normal, cool guy, but he's actually this hardcore Christian. <laughs> and I was like, who is this guy? I need to meet him. Like, what, a great, <laughs> what a great compliment, right? But he's actually this hardcore Christian. <laughs> but they, uh, that guy was in our wedding. So, I mean, he was a friend of my husband. He really respected him. And he, he was just saying, like, he's different. Yeah. And, and that was awesome. He's really committed to his faith. He actually was the instigator. He saw you in the courtyard, and he was like, Hillary. Have you talked to Trevor about being on the podcast? I love they that. They are looking for people. I love that. I, I love that he instigated it. Like, That's so awesome. He's an underground instigator. I love that. Like yeah. He's over there like, hey, go do that. We go do it with each other. We instigate yeah. each other. That, that's for instigating a little bit of a hilarious trouble is always good in life. Yeah. Um, so, and then, then your kids, are they, how, how entwined in the story are they with you guys? And I know they're young. Yeah. Do you, like the overall story or just. Yeah. I mean, did they, do they know the scope of the story of your story of your guys' story? To, I mean, and obviously they're young, so there's probably not, details. Maybe they're not in, in, involved in yet. Not yet. Um, they know about the breast cancer because they were there for that. Sure, sure. Um, but, and they know that I speak and I write and I encourage other people. Um, and I, I teach in the kids. So yeah. they know that, but. I haven't shared a lot of the sexual assault story with them. We're definitely, I work with them as far as like, no means no. And 
even if it's tickling. If you tell me to stop, I stop. And when you tell someone else to stop, they should stop. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a little lessons along the way, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's just shaped my faith. And I, I've spoken to kids actually after this, and I feel like you don't tell them that, you tell them what you learned. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. you share with them. So well, because one side brings fear, the other side brings hope. hope. Yeah. You know, um, now you've got, it's two little boys and a little girl, right? Yes. Um, as a dad with daughters, like we've been having these conversations with our girls since, I mean, they were, I feel like since they were old enough to, well, they were in preschool at six weeks, but um, we start, when they could comprehend, we started having those conversations of, hey, if something's not right, you need to tell us. Even if somebody tells you not to tell us, you'll yeah. never get in trouble for telling us. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I, I, you know, and I, and then again, I don't have boys, but I think if I had boys, I'd be having a teaching conversation with them, which I'm sure you guys on a, and your boys are still little, but having, ha, I'm sure you guys are having those conversations as well. What's the difference with your daughter versus your boys? <laughs> other, other than the fact you got a daughter and two boys. Um, I know they well, like for, biological like for differences. For me, it's easier to talk to my daughter because I'm a woman. Yeah. And so I can talk to her about stuff and we've set it up. Our, our relationship, we have this dynamic where we can talk to each other about anything, yeah, which is great. I hope it stays that way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anything she wants to tell me. And we've had that conversation, too. Like, if someone says, don't say something, that's a huge red flag. I've had that with all my kids. Yeah. Tell me. And they've come to me and told me, this person told me not to tell <laughs> We've had some. Well, thanks for telling me that I'm having a surprise party for my birthday. <laughs> I appreciate that. Dad said, "Don't tell." You said, "Tell." So, yeah. um, no, it, it, that, and I think that's, I think that kind of openness with, like, I get my daughter's in college now, 18. My daughter calls me like three times a day, mm-hmm. it, and I mean, she calls me like. Unfortunately, she is not really good with time zones, so she's like 4:30 in the morning. She's like, "Hey, Dad, what are you doing?" I'm like, <laughs> sleeping. Well, I was going to sleep another 15 minutes, but I guess we're getting up today because you're on your way to class and want to talk and. I never not take that phone call. Yeah. Um, even if she were to call me right now as a recording, I would mute this mic. I'd be like, hey, by the way, I'm recording. I'll call you back. But I told her I'll always take your call. And yeah. she'll she'll text me at 1 in the morning her time when she gets back in the dorm to let me know, hey, Dad, I'm back okay. You know, we're having these conversations on the phone. She went to a Halloween party on Saturday with a group of friends at a house off campus. And I was like, all right, what are the rules? She goes, hold my own cup. Don't set it down. Don't drink out of a cup I've never had before. Stay with Paul, who's the guy she's kind of seeing right now. And I'm like... Good job. I was like, and then what are you going to do when you get back? She goes, I'll text you or call you when I get back. I was like, does it matter what time it is? She's like, no. I was like, great. We've done our job. Um, and she's 1,900 miles away. Like, yeah. I can't I can't hover and protect her. Um, now, my youngest, she'll just punch people in the face. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about her. She just, <laughs> she's, she's a whole different kind of hold her own. But I think that comes with, we've had a very open, honest conversation with our daughters since they were little, which sounds like you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that they, I don't think they turn away from that. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, kids are kids. I mean, my girls, thankfully, they've been really good kids. Um, but I just think if you're that open and honest with your kids, I, I think they want that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of parents miss that because they, they don't think their kids can handle it or it's awkward for us as a parent. And it's funny you say you have a better relationship with your daughter because you're both girls. I've not had guys in my house. Yeah. Like, and well, growing up, I was an only child. I had my dad, but... Um, like I've been the minority in my house for a long time. And so I, I have to remind myself when I'm hanging out like with, with you or like Sonia, my assistant, I'm like, I'm really comfortable having weird conversations with girls. Cause I have them every day of my life. I have to remind myself, I'm like, Oh yeah, you don't live in my house. I can't have this conversation with you, you know, but it's like, but then people, I know people are going to ask me like, so you guys are talking about breast cancer. Was that weird? I'm like, 
no, like, <laughs> I, it's not weird to me. Like it, it may be weird to everybody else. It's not weird to me because one, it's something that I don't think we talk enough about, yeah. um, awareness or sexual assault. I don't think we talk about that enough because the reality is that statistics are crazy on that. And you know, them better than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was reading something the other day, like the average girl in a college campus by the time she's 20 years old is going to experience some kind of sexual assault. And like the percentage was high. Like, yeah. I, and I I'm, would be making it up if I said it, but it was staggering to me. I'm like something like over 65%. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's one in four for women in general. Yeah. Although sexual assault is a very broad term. It, well, it is. And it depends on who's keeping the stat on what it is. And, um, but either way, sexual assault, sexual assault, no matter yeah. how you slice it. And, um, I appreciate your bringing awareness and not just awareness, but sharing that there can be life after all these things. Yeah. Like you don't have to live and wallow in that part of it. It's a mm-hmm. part of your story, no doubt. Yeah. Like it's, but without it, I'm not, I'm not sure you where you are right now. And I wouldn't right. wish it on anybody. I wouldn't wish it on your past, but God has maneuvered all of these pieces for you to be this incredible everyday maker. Yeah. You don't just sit and take you, yeah. you literally. So what, when you go into a week, like you show up on Sunday and you teach kids and you're in church and you worship and, um, hopefully you get compelled by some message we have here over the course of a weekend. Um, when you wake up on Monday morning, because you don't work in the church like we do, you yeah. wake up on Monday. What What is your goal when you wake up on Monday and you're like, all right, what's my opportunity today? What what? How does that look for you? Starts with prayer. Mm. <laughs> how can I love the people in my life well? And um, yeah, spending time in God's word, looking for opportunities, responding to people. Mm. I love getting connected with other people. I've had a lot of people reach out like, can you meet with my friend? Can you meet with my daughter? Yes. (laughs) I I love having those opportunities to meet with someone one-on-one or message with someone. I think that's awesome. That's, I feel like speaking and writing is the means to that end, getting to connect with people. And that's really where the gold is. You need to talk to someone one-on-one. So top resources that you'd recommend to somebody that's experienced any of what you've experienced, what, what resources would you lead people towards? Because people ask me all the time, they're like, where can I, what resources are out there? If I've got, if I've dealt with this, I've got a friend that's dealt with it, sexual assault, breast cancer, whatever Mm -hmm. the trauma is. um, What are some resources you would recommend to people? Just for sexual assault? Uh, Any of the above, any resources you want to give for anything we've talked about today? Um, Okay. Um, well, my website, Yes, I share a lot on my website. So about tell everybody both. your website so they know it's your website. It's just Hillary Griggle, H-I-L-L-A-R-Y-G-R-I-G-E-L.com. And I share facts about sexual assault on there just because I thought it'd be nice to have one spot to yep. look at If you go to the top right figures. of the menu bar, it's right yeah. there. Facts right there. Um, I think that's a great place to start. If you want just stats, the MS report on sexual assault is where I got a lot of those figures. Um, that was really eye-opening. I actually read that really early on. I turned to books during my recovery, too, just um, for encouragement and support. And that one, it was encouraging, and also it made me angry because <laughs> you realize how common it is. Yeah, and but how not talked about it is. Especially then. Yeah. It's like 20 years ago. Yeah. Nobody was talking about it. And I feel like education is empowerment. Um you know, I even got, I remember I got a little slip of paper in my dorm room my freshman year, and it said that it was like a sexual assault resource center on campus. And I, I like, it would have been more helpful if it had more information, like, what is sexual assault? But mm-hmm. I feel like young people today are in such a better position because there is so much more conversation yeah. about this. 
Um, but yeah, I would say that's a great resource. Um, any books on like people going through sexual assault, like Christian books are helpful. Yeah. Um, well, and I love like Sonia, my assistant here. She, she's actually put in all of our women's restrooms. Yes. Um, I actually grabbed one. I have it in my yeah, purse. I was going to mention she's that. She's got cards. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then you, you actually wrote a resource, um, called free, right? Um, free falling for freedom. Oh, it was just a, it's a devotional I wrote yeah. with a friend. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's just encouraging. I like how she was like, yeah, I mean, that's just a devotional I wrote with a friend. <laughs> it's like an e-devotional. <laughs> um, it's free. You can yeah. download it. <laughs> it. Like if, if you go to the website at the top, it says free. Yeah. Click on free. Um, I would encourage you to go download that. Yeah. Um, and then if somebody wants to bring you in to speak, um, what's the best way they can do that? Where you go, are there specific places you're like, I only speak here, or do you speak anywhere and everywhere? I'll speak anywhere. I've spoken at the high school group here. I've spoken yeah. to college groups. Yeah. I speak to the grade schoolers, not necessarily specifically about this, but um, I've spoken to a lot of MOPS groups, and I'd speak at women's groups, yeah, wherever. So if you would like to book her, <laughs> you can go to, actually, the top of her webpage, it says Contact and Speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go over there. You can contact her right there. There's a little little place where you can do that, yeah. get all of your information. I'm, I'm actually looking at your schedule right now, and I'm like, all right, you got I'm going to be speaking with well, the same event as you in a couple of weeks. That's right. In December. <laughs> yes. Right here. November. Uh, or November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> at the Hope Conference. Dang it. I don't, I don't want to speak at the same thing. Like, uh, you want to listen? I want to listen. You're the uh, no, 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 no. I, I headline nothing. I'm, um, I'm like the flat line. Everybody else can headline. I'm like, um, I, actually, that's right. Because that's for the, um, um, was that Reclaiming Hope? Yep. Yes. Is that this, uh, yeah. uh, that's that. Fourth annual. Um, and I'm actually talking to Mops in December. Nice. And um, I'm talking in January. Yeah. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm glad I'm before and not following. I don't want to follow. Uh, I'll go first. I'm okay with that. Um, well, I, I'm just so thankful for your story and for your willingness to share. Now, I know our listeners are sitting here going, well, why doesn't she have to do coffee time? Well, first of all, um, we'd have to do tea time yeah, because she doesn't <laughs> drink coffee. And also, I just, I think this was a way as much as I like coffee, as much as I love coffee, this whole conversation was so much more important than leaning into coffee yes absolutely but to say i didn't drink any would be a misnomer that's true i've drank a lot of coffee while we've been sitting here you just haven't heard it seen it and last last week we were at we were in nashville like we've been saying yeah so we brought back some barista we've got barista parlor which next week on on the podcast we will definitely sample my favorite coffee shop in the country which by the way if you go to nashville i know you're not a coffee drinker (laughs) you should still go go to barista parlor and get the breakfast sandwich it's, I've heard you talk about it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, as a former fat kid, I'm just telling you, <laughs> I could eat a hundred of them and not miss a beat. They're how, so. How good. many did you eat last week? We don't, won't talk about that at all. <laughs> and if you put honey on the biscuit that's homemade, yeah, oh, I need to eat something right now. I just got really hungry thinking about that. Um, <laughs> uh, Hillary, thank you for sharing your story. Thank um, you for having me. If there was, if there was any, if there's one nugget of wisdom, truth that you would just want everybody to ever hear that hears your voice, what is the one thing you would tell people? And God. I know I just put you on the spot with that question. God loves you more than you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, and you know what I love about you saying that? There's some people that might hear that and go, well, that just sounds trite. That is not a trite statement. No. Um, and when you understand when you've gone through these traumas, that God's love is what is sustained. Yeah. That... Satan tried to destroy how you view love all yeah. through this process. And he keep, keeps re- like restoring, redeeming and recovering that mm-hmm. with, with that old couple. I think about that older couple. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that that's one of those little nuggets in the story that I hope people grabbed is like, I hope that when I'm married 50 years that people are looking at my wife and I and going, 
how do we do that? Yeah. You know, um, and as a result of God using them, look at what it's just done. And then Eric coming in and then, I mean, just all these little things. Um, I love that nugget of wisdom. Um, but again, thank you for sharing your story with us today. Um, before we hop off here, what do we have coming up next couple of weeks? Serve our city, serve our city. Um, now Hillary, you've been around here a while, so I'm sure you participate in serve our city. Yes. Um, what, what are you, what are you doing for serve our city this year? Or what have you done in the past that you would recommend people be a part of? Well, in the past with our kids, we've done a lot of letter writing yeah, and like drawing pictures and stuff. Cause yeah. that was something they could do. Yeah. So we wrote to prisoners, we wrote to people in nursing homes. That's fun. Yeah. This year we're working on something different. Really? But I need to reach out to someone and see if they will let us do what we want to do. I like how kind of ominous that was. I'm like, I kind of want to know now. I'm like, what, what are we? I'm like, I want in on the secret. What are we doing? Like, I, We're trying to come up with our own yeah. option. Yeah, well, you give well, us the freedom to do we, that. We don't really know how Server City works because it's our first year as a family. And so I'm just like, my wife's like, so what are we doing? I'm like, well, first of all, I got to go around with this guy and film videos and go meet people. And she was like, so what do we do? And I'm like, I don't know. So I went to the website and like, everything's full right now. And yeah. I'm like, well, maybe I know a guy. See if I can call somebody and be like, <laughs> can my family work with y'all? Um, so I, that's, it is one of my favorite events we do all year here um, is, is Serve Our City. That's what I love about Pantano is this is a place that really cares about our local communities. Yeah. Um, I really believe if, if Pantano were to go away tomorrow, there'd be a gaping hole in our community. Um, and as we're growing and seeing more people come in the door, that's just, uh, again, seeing God move the way he does. I only get to wear this for a little while longer, but I've not been around long enough to be able to say I was a part of any of this. So I just get to be the recipient of an incredible culture and church. And um, I'm so excited to be just a small part of what we do around here. Um, I'm so glad your family's here. Me too. I, I love that you serve with our kids. I love that your kids are involved. I love that you guys are locked in. I love what you're doing outside of Sunday mornings for the kingdom. Um, and if there's anything we can ever do to to prop that up, we want to do that. Um, and if there, if, for our listeners, if you need somebody or know somebody or you yourself has dealt with sexual assault, you've dealt with any kind of cancer whatsoever um, or any kind of trauma, I would highly recommend you reach out to Hillary. And if she can't get you where you need to be, she'll find somebody that can. I'm sure yeah. of that. You've got a lot of resources. Um, but thanks again for being here. Dylan, anything else today that you got? That's it. All right. Well, thank you all for being on this episode of The Make. We'll see you again soon. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of The Make Podcast, where we're moving from Sunday takers to everyday makers. To learn more, head over to pantano.church slash the make. We can't wait to see you again next week.